Hello, everyone. So as Arno said, my name is Ian, and um, I am a pastor in Cape Town and Common Ground, like he said. And um, it was amazing. So myself, Laura, myself, Laura, my wife, and my two kids, Nathan and Layla, came up yesterday. And we, they are two and five, and they, we spent um, the whole day, the, the whole morning on the beach, Nahoon Beach. It is beautiful. I mean, we thought Cape Town beaches, and your water's way warmer. And we just walked for an hour. It was such an amazing morning together. And then we went to Beach Break Cafe. Man, good coffee in East London. Who would have thought? Hey, as a Cape Townian, high standard. And it was amazing. It was so good. And it's reasonable. You're not paying Cape Town prices. It's amazing. This place is a gem. I didn't know. This is my first time here. I, I've been here once before, but it was in and out, drive through kind of thing. And that's what I thought East London was. But it's not. It's beautiful. And... I haven't even been to Haga Haga, but it is beautiful already. In a day, you've wanted me over. I said to Lars, we saw the sunset yesterday. I was like, I feel a call to East London. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. I oh, know. Um, but apparently, the milkshakes I still have to try. Um, I've heard a lot about these milkshakes anyways. Um, but I've just been asked to quickly just do like a 15-minute framing and, and rooting of this conversation before... I hand over to Kyle, who's going to talk about our sexuality and how it forms us. And, um, and it's important that we frame this conversation before we re um, walk into this conversation. Because, you know, this conversation is a really, when you talk about sexuality, it's really easy. It's really non-contentious. Everyone agrees. It's the simplest thing to talk about. It's so easy to get up on stage and nail your colors to the mast. No, it's really not. And we all know how fast this conversation is going. We all know how many opinions, Christian and non-Christian, there are around sexuality, what sexuality is, what the purpose of sexuality is, what, what are we meant to do with it, how are we meant to use it, how are we meant to steward it. And, and there's just so much debate. There's so much complexity. And there's a lot of fighting and conflict that's taking place. And a lot of people are getting hurt as we have this conversation. So it is a difficult one to wade into. And there's so much fear if we're honest, around these conversations around sexuality, because it feels like you can say or do the wrong thing in such a way that there's serious backlash that comes in you. And you can find ourselves as people going, are we even allowed to have this conversation? How can a church even put up a thing, God and sexuality? Is that even allowed? And it's so, uh, and I'm so encouraged actually that we are having the conversation. I'm so encouraged that your leaders want to have this conversation because the first thing as we, we dive into this, we're gonna see it's a conversation we have to have. Everyone is so fearful and scared and trying to work out so many different things on their own in isolation. And one of the best things we can do is just crack open the conversation and say, as Christ followers, we're allowed to talk about these things. In fact, we should talk about them. And it's amazing that as churches, you've come together to have this conversation. It is so important. And again, it's the start of a conversation. We can't say everything that needs to be said in one weekend. But just the fact that we're opening it up and having this conversation is amazing. And um, we did this a year ago, and it helped and served our community so much. There was so much angst and anxiety in our community around sexuality. What can we say? What can't we say? What should we think? What shouldn't we think? What should we stand against? What should we lean into with grace and love? How do we do these things? And after we just opened up the conversation, so much of that angst and anxiety just went away just dissolved as we just had the conversation and spoke about it. And as um, shepherds and pastors, it's so important that we lead into these conversations. So I'm so glad that your leaders are doing that. And um, 
And I think I've got a bit of an analogy that will help us because what I've learned as a pastor is as you wade into a conversation, how do we wade into a conversation that's this complex and so like can light up a, like a match in a moment? How do you wade into a conversation like this? And what I've learned as a pastor is that so often we, when we have conversations with people that, that are difficult to have, that are hard to have or, or create a lot of emotion, the reason that that conversation is so difficult is because we're having the wrong conversation. Whatever the conversation is, whether it's justice, whether it's about sexuality, ethics, abortion, whether it's about money or our sexual organs or politics, these things are inflammatory and they can blow up in a moment. But so often I find that we've started the, we're having the wrong conversation when we talk about these things when they get ugly, or we've started the conversation in the wrong place. And what I mean by that is, you see, life is, it, it kind of throws us these these experiences. We have these experiences in, in life that come our way, things like suffering, or we experience injustice, or we experience interactions with other people. We have these sexual desires, ambitions, opportunities, struggles, and these, these things come at us, and they're like puzzle pieces being thrown at us. And as life happens, we, we gather up these puzzle pieces, and we're trying to make sense of how these puzzle pieces fit together. What picture does this puzzle make? And we hold all these subjective experiences that we've had, and we go, how does this it together. I'm trying to make sense of this. And you've got a person over here with their subjective experiences holding on to these puzzle pieces that life's throwing at them. Like, how does this picture work? How does this fit together? And we can look over and go, that's not the picture. That's not how it looks. That piece doesn't go there. It goes there. And we can start to fight around these puzzle pieces and how they fit together. And that's often where these conversations, something like sexuality start, is we're fighting from our experience. And we're fighting from our, our pains and we're fighting from our, our desires and we're fighting from things and we're going, hey, how do I make sense of this? And we fight over the puzzle pieces. But actually, the conversation we need to so often have first, the very first conversation we need to be having is, where's the puzzle box? Where's the box? Because on the box is a picture. And that picture tells us how to put the puzzle together. And so often, we're trying to make sense of our lives in these puzzle pieces without the box. But with the conversation, the very first conversation everybody has to say is, where's the box? And what box are you comparing your puzzle pieces to? How do I take these subjective experiences? Is there something objective that I can hold them up to and go, oh, that's where that piece goes. This is how I make sense of it. And so the conversation has to start at the level of which puzzle box are you making sense of your pieces with? Because if, we're not, if we, we don't agree on the puzzle box, we're, we're putting our pieces together very differently and we're making very different pictures with those puzzle pieces. And this idea of a box or a picture that you would you'd make sense of everything that comes at you is simply a worldview. And we're going to actually unpack this reality of worldview and how much that, that speaks into this conversation on Sunday. But we just quickly wanted to frame it on the front end of the conference saying that actually so much of what we're going to talk about, so much of how we're going to engage in this conversation over this weekend is based on us answering that big picture. We've gone to a puzzle box and for us as Christ followers, that puzzle box picture is Jesus. We go to the person of Jesus and we hold up all our subjective experiences in life, all the things that we gather through life, and we hold up those pieces and we go, Jesus, how do I make sense of this? Where does it fit? And a worldview is really important because it's, it's us putting those puzzle pieces in, together in a way that we're going, this is how the world works. This is how we make sense of the world. This is what we believe to be true of the world. And we do this consciously sometimes, and sometimes we do it subconsciously. But what we're simply doing is asking the big questions or answering the big questions. Who am I? Who am I? Why am I here? What should I think about God? And then there's some more like bigger questions around what is the nature of man? What is truth? 
Where do I find knowledge? What is knowledge? What are ethics? What is wrong with the world? How can I make it right? That's all worldview. And those are all questions that we hold in our hearts and try to answer. And, and we have to start the conversation of what is your puzzle box? What is your worldview? And I think this is where actually so many people depart when we have conversations around sexuality. I know as a pastor, so often I'm sitting with someone and they're arguing with me around their sexuality or something that they feel we should change our minds on. And as we argue, I reach a point and I go, what do you think about the person Jesus? Oh, no, 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 he, he's not a real person. I'm like, oh, we're having a completely different conversation here. Let's, let's just back up a bit and let's have that conversation, the highest level conversation. Is there a God? Yes or no will determine very much what you believe about your sexuality. Who is he will also determine what you believe about your sexuality. And what he calls you to will guide how you use your sexuality. And the great claim of Jesus is that he's the puzzle box picture. I mean, it's explicit. He says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am ultimate truth. I am the puzzle box picture. I created the universe. I created people. I created everything. I know how it all works and fits together. Come to me to understand. And that is our starting point in this series, is that we've answered the big question, is there a God? Yes. Who is he? The Christian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, represented perfectly in the person Jesus. This is our puzzle box. He's our true north. He's the person that we make sense of everything in light of. And that's really important because what that means is we're not predominantly wanting to fight with anyone. <laughs> our goal is not to want to fight with anyone. Our goal is far more, our goal is not to prove anyone wrong and ourselves right. Our goal is actually far more humble and I think noble than that. What we want to do over this weekend is simply say, this is who Jesus is. And as those who claim to follow him, those who've been rescued and redeemed, those who are far off and brought home, those who are sons and daughters who have experienced his grace, his mercy, and his kindness, those who have his very spirit living inside of us, connecting us to him in real, vibrant, and alive relationship, we want to make sense of everything in our lives, including our sexuality. There is nothing off limits. And this weekend, in some ways, we're going, God, even this, even our sexuality, you can lay hold of. And it's really important that we get that right. Because on a weekend like this, we can all rock up going, oh, this weekend's going to be amazing. They're going to give us so much information. And then I can use this and I can go back into my classroom and I'm, going to, I'm just going to obliterate my teacher. Or, my, or as a teacher, I'm going to obliterate my students because I'll have all the information I need. And you know what that's like for a Christ follower? It's like me at the gym. I went to this gym class once, and it was this workout. I'm nearly done. Don't worry, Kyle. I'm not taking all your time. Okay? There was, this, there was a workout, and I was in a class. And basically, you had to do a volume of work as fast as you could, and then there was a forced 90-second rest. You had to rest for 90 seconds. Then you had to do a volume of work and rest for 90 seconds, a volume of work. And the person who did that the fastest won. Okay, but you had to do the forced rest. So it was, it was an interesting workout. And I was working out. And it's a class. You're not meant to be competitive. But there's a guy next to me. And I noticed that he was like three rounds ahead of me. I'm like, I see you, bro. There's no way you're three rounds ahead of me. How are you three rounds ahead of me? And I watched him. I noticed he wasn't taking the forced rest. He was cheating. 
He was just going straight through the forced rest so that he could get a better time than everybody else. I just don't think he actually knew that we were meant to take a rest. But I, I could see him cheating. I was very grumpy. So now I'm working out. And I'm getting so grumpy. I'm like, he's not following the design of this workout. He's not doing what he should do. Can you not see how he's just not following what the, our gym instructor wanted us to do in this workout? And now he thinks he's beating me. I can't tolerate the fact that he thinks that he's better than me. This guy thinks he's better than me. And what I started to do is go, okay, I'm just going to take 30 seconds off my next rest. You know, and if I drop half the, the reps in the next round, I bet you I can catch this guy. And I found myself in this place of changing the design of the workout because I was being so critical of him and competitive with him. And my heart was all wrong. My heart should have been, what is the workout? How do I get the best? What was this designed to be? And life comes in following what it was designed to be. And we can get like that with our sexuality. We can look around and go, they're not following the design. It's so broken. How dare they? Do they not know the ways of God? How could they not know what the ways of God? And our heart can become so bitter and other focused that we can't see that God's wanting to work on our sexuality. And realizing that for us, that we come to a weekend like this, our heart disposition should be, I'm coming to bring my puzzle pieces to the puzzle box of Jesus, who is the way, his ways are true, that he is the truth, that he's the ultimate one that we should measure everything up against and he is the life that when we do that he brings life and god you go god my sexuality is probably not where it should be what do you want to say to me what do i need to change what do you want to grow in me should be our hearts in this moment and as we do that we come with the right levels of humility to hear god and love people because what's going to happen over this weekend is that we're going to hear that we're dealing with ideas and people ideas worldview what do, we, what do we believe to be true about the world and what is real in the world? And people, people who are really struggling and grappling with very real things in their lives, puzzle pieces that have been thrown their way. And we've never confused the two. People are not ideas, and ideas can really hurt and harm people. And so as we go through this weekend, it is okay. And in fact, I would say it's important that we grapple with ideas and that we make sure that our ideas are aligned to what is true and that we expose ideas that aren't true, because when you don't align to truth, people get hurt. But at the same time, when we're dealing with people, Jesus is very clear in his word about how we should deal with people. Colossians 4 says this, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That as we deal with people, there's grace and mercy and a deep desire to meet with Jesus. And my hope is that if people have come over this time going, hey, that, that church over there is talking about sexuality. I wonder what they, they, they have to say. I hope that you would be able to come in here no matter what you believe and that you would experience the grace and the goodness and the mercy and the person of Jesus. And if you disagree with us, our hope would be that you would first and foremost meet Jesus before you agree with us on how you should use your sexuality because we want you to know the person of Jesus. And for those of us who are Christ followers, I really do hope we haven't come here looking for ammunition so that we can win arguments. But we've come here to align our hearts to the truth of Jesus and bring our own sexuality before him. And so with that all said, we are going to touch on people's identities because ideas and people meet at the area of identity. And that's why we have to be so gracious and kind when we talk about these things. Because we've built our identity, who we believe we are, on the person of Jesus. Redeemed, forgiven, loved, beloved sons and daughters. 
children of God. It's an incredible identity. But when we talk about sexuality and worldviews, we're touching on other people's identities. And, and we want to be gracious and gentle when we do that. But where those identities are built on things that are not true, we want to point that out. Because we believe there is no greater identity than the one that Christ gives. And it's so important that we as Christ followers are rooted and secure in our identity when we have these conversations. Because a secure identity prevents us from being fearful, prevents us from being reactive. Because when ideas come and they challenge who Jesus is and what he says, if we know who he is and we're secure in who he is and who he says we are, we won't be shaken. And that means that we can move towards people with compassion. Because fearful people are often angry people. Secure people are compassionate and loving people. And we as Christ followers have the, 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 mo the, the most reason to be secure in the person of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So with that all said, I'm going to hand over to Kyle, who's going to speak to us on what it means to be formed by our sexuality. And then tomorrow is... Um, is God and homosexuality and God and transgenderism. Oh.